Welcome to the Becoming Eva podcast, where we discuss real-life issues from a woman's perspective. Becoming Eva seeks to break the silence within the female community while fostering authenticity, transparency, and healing. We're We're your hosts, Latoya Moore and Maya Dawson. Let's get started. Good morning. We are live. Morning. I know it looks a little bit different this morning. I I am without my partner in crime, my fabulous co-host, Ms. Latoya Moore. Um, She actually could not make it with us this morning, but she said the show must go on. So I'm going to do my best, y'all. I'm going to do my best and and work with what I got. Um, But she actually left a very special gift, if you will, um, in the form of our special guest this morning, uh, who was none other than her sister. (laughs) <laughs> Miss Stephanie Worthen. So how are you doing this morning, Stephanie? I am doing well today. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, so how has 2020 been treating you? I know we first we were asking people how are you quarantining? And now some people aren't necessarily quarantining, but it's still been an off-the-chain year from COVID to social injustice. We got elections coming up. So how was 2020 treating you? Yeah, 2020 has been a heavy year, like a very heavy year. I just feel like as soon as we kind of adjust and get settled into a new routine or a new normal, it all changes. Um, So it's definitely kept me on my toes. But there's also been a lot of positives. Like I've had a lot of time to just be in my space and take some time to be introspective and relax and connect with family more, talk on the phone more. Um, So there's positives, but you know, definitely the negatives are there too. (laughs) Yeah. And I think everyone actually has had to fight to find those positive moments um, in order to stay sane, honestly, which is really what we're going to be talking about today. So before we get into our topic, let me go ahead and read your incredible bio. We are so excited to have you. All right. So (laughs) Stephanie grew up in Missouri before heading to college at Duke University. And after wrapping up her studies in cultural anthropology and global health, she moved to Austin, Texas, where she currently resides. She has worked for three major tech companies, wow, and is on a journey to empower underrepresented women to live the lives they're called to live by leading a Christ-centered life. Amen to that. (laughs) She runs a small candle business called Unwind by Steph and lives indulging in all things self-care. Amen. We're going to talk about that today a little bit too. So when she's not making candles, you can catch her cuddled up on her couch watching a true crime documentary or whipping up all the carbs in her kitchen or out at brunch with friends. Yes, I love brunch, girl. Yes. (laughs) Brunch all day. (laughs) So give a warm welcome for our lovely special guest today, Miss Stephanie Worthen. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. I also have to give a special shout out to you because you were one of our faithful members of our um, book club that we hosted over the summer. So thank you so much for joining us for that. We really enjoyed your nuggets of wisdom and knowledge and you just coming along on this journey of personal self-discovery. So thank you for that. Really appreciate it. Of course. It was super fun. (laughs) Yes. So let me actually pat myself. I feel... A shine coming on. (laughs) Let's go ahead and dive into mental and emotional health. So how would you define mental 
we'll say mental health first and then we'll go into emotional wellness. But how would you define mental, emotional, mental wellness and then emotional wellness? Sure. And first, I'll just say that it looks different for everybody. Like, mm -hmm. there's no single path um, that you can use to define what that looks like. But for me, um, mental wellness, mental health is all about having a balanced life such that when life happens um, and you hit different waves in life, you know how to manage them um, in a productive and proactive way um, and that you're able to kind of work through the different things that life throws at you. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I would define it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think uh, mental wellness is basically, it's honestly making sure that you have a regimen in place so that, like you said, when those waves do come, they don't completely throw you off guard. And sometimes mm -hmm. it requires you to go back and, and, and dig up and address some things in order to, you know, effectively move forward. Um, and then once you even have done that, making sure that you have those safeguards in place, because life is going to keep coming. It's going to keep, mm -hmm. you know, coming at us in different waves. And it's important for us to have certain things in place to make sure we have that inner fortitude, you know, so that when it does hit us, I mean, yes, we all have challenges and we all will have challenges, but it does not have to completely throw us off, you know, of the trajectory that God has for us. So absolutely. Yeah, very, very good. How would you compare mental wellness to emotional wellness? Sure. I think of uh, mental awareness as more of like a long-term situation, how mm. you engage with life, how you engage with people mm. and emotional wellness to be more so like you can go through a range of emotions throughout the day, throughout a week. Um, if you're on your period, that might change your hormone yes, hormones sure. might change your, your emotional wellness. But right. I think the difference for me is being able to manage the highs and lows as they come. Like mm -hmm. being able to say, I'm feeling, being first able to identify what you're feeling because mm -hmm. um, a lot of emotions are similar. They might be murky. And when, in fact, you might be feeling upset, you might just be hungry. So being able to first identify what you're feeling, mm -hmm. why you're feeling it, and then how can you change that emotion? And if you can't change that emotion, being able to sit with that emotion um, and being comfortable sitting in it. Um, so I think for me, it's, it, it's more so like, present tense, whereas mental health is kind of like an overarching umbrella and the mm -hmm. emotions kind of sit underneath that. They definitely, emotions definitely drive your mental wellness or they can um, mm -hmm. in some scenarios, but um, I kind of think of them as like layered. That's very, very, very good. And I love that comparison as far as mental being, you know, kind of how you um, perceive and relate to and process the outside world or what comes at you in life and emotional really being how you how you deal with yourself you know and if i'm honest i feel like 2020 has definitely been an emotional wellness check for all of us because we have experienced those you know varying emotions from day to day from hour to hour where it's like oh god you know you go from okay i'm gonna be okay to the world is going to come to an end. Like what is going on here, you know? And how do you navigate all of that inwardly? How do you manage all of that inwardly? How do you acknowledge all of that inwardly? You know, I mean, so many people have, I mean, it's, it's been hard, you know, quarantining and um, being isolated in, in some cases, you know, working from home, even we have a lot of people that are used to um, socializing with people and connecting with people and don't necessarily know how to deal with themselves. And mm -hmm. 
I mean, I get it. You know, we have some people that are more extroverted than others. So that really is a part of how you thrive and, and fuel and are nurtured as a person. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have some people that just don't like being by themselves because they don't want to deal with themselves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think this year has really kind of forced us to put our finger on that and figure out, okay, what, you know, like, what are some areas in my life that I've been glossing over or sweeping under the rug or, you know, ignoring. And at this time, I can't, I really don't have anywhere to run. I have to deal Mm -hmm. with myself, you know, so it's, it's been, it's been an interesting year, but I think this year has brought all of that to the surface. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think normally you get to choose what nature you want to be more towards. Like if you're leaning introvert, it's fine because you still have the choice. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing with being extroverted, a lot of extroverted people say like, yeah, I'm fine being by myself, but I just don't Mm -hmm. have the choice to not be by myself. So, I mean, I think that is definitely thrown a wrench in everyone's plans, just not feeling like you have control over being able to lean towards whatever nature you naturally lean towards. (laughs) It's true, it's true. It's forcing you to work a different muscle, you know. Absolutely. Whether you like it or not, so. So we talked a little bit about um, the importance of mental and emotional wellness, but is there anything else that you want to add to why it's so important that we have, um, that we incorporate mental and emotional wellness into our day-to-day lives? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's also about just being prepared, right? Like you, mm-hmm. I kind of think about it as like going to the dentist, right? Like you, if you don't go and the more you prolong it, there's no way that you're going to have perfect teeth, right? And cavities don't happen overnight. And the same way, like emotional wellness and mental wellness doesn't deteriorate overnight. It doesn't get better overnight. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times we're so used to things being instantaneous, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I want something, I can order it. It'll be here in two days. Like I don't even have to go out to the grocery store, but that's kind of toxic when we think about the impact that this instantaneous gratification has on our mental and emotional wellness so Mm -hmm. for me it's really important to have that as part of your plan because Mm -hmm. you never know you never know when it's you you can't predict the future so you just never know when you're going to need the emotional wellness or mental and emotional wellness plan that you already have in place you Mm -hmm. don't know when you're going to need to pull that out of your pocket so I think in the same way that you prepare for any other aspects of wellness whether it be going to the dentist working out, going to see your doctor for regular check-ins, like mental health um, is equally, if not more important, um, because Mm -hmm. it dictates everything else in your life. Absolutely. And just like, I mean, we can't overemphasize the importance of having that plan, or as I like to call it, a regimen in place where these are things that you do on a consistent basis. Now, granted, you know, we know everybody has different seasons of life where they may be busier at other times more than others, or, you know, they may be thriving versus, you know, going through a tough traumatic time. So we, we get that life changes, but these should still be integrated in your life. And they may happen more frequently during certain seasons than others, but they should still be a part of your life. Even when you feel like things are going great and you're like, I'm fine, life is great, I'm good. You still want to make sure that you have certain things in place. And so we will talk about what those specific things should be um, later on in the episode, but just the importance of making sure that it's integrated in your regular life on a consistent basis is so important. So Mm -hmm. 
Let's talk about some of the consequences of not maintaining mental and emotional wellness. Um, I mean, you said it, we live in, a, in a, a microwave society where everything, people want it now, they want the results now, you know, and they look at other people's lives and they want to go and, and get that tomorrow. And it's like, first of all, you don't know what that person went through get there, you know, um, you know, good or bad, or just the discipline that it took, you know, that they have been working at consistently. So, um, but let's talk about some of the consequences of not maintaining mental and emotional wellness. Yeah. And I think um, sometimes it's about not maintaining and it's sometimes just about lack of education. Like maybe you've never had a point in your life where you felt like you were out of balance. Um, so when you haven't felt that before, you may not feel a need for it. Um, so I think it's the same kind of thing. Like I always joke, like my metabolism changed when I, as I got older and I just had to like adapt. I didn't know this was coming. Maybe people told me I ignored them because it was never my reality. Um, so one of the consequences can be that if you don't have that plan in place, you may not be able to cope as well as you may have assumed that you would. You know, it's really easy to be like, yeah, you know, things happen and this is how I normally cope. But I think there's a really big difference between like everyday stressors. So, you know, oh, my phone is dying. I'm running late to a meeting. There's bad traffic. Like you can very easily cope to those things. Um, and they may be incredibly stressful in the moment, but it's not to a point where hopefully it's not to a point where, you know, your week, your entire week is going to be thrown off or, you know, what have you. But those types of stressors are different than whenever things get out of balance mentally and emotionally. And so if you don't have that, then ultimately you won't be able to um, pour into yourself. And then also you won't be able to maintain relationships that you want to be able to maintain. You won't be able, you won't be feeling good. Um, and that might spill over into the physical wellness that you have, you know, stress can physically make you sick. Um, you know, you might gain or lose weight. Um, it, it really just depends. And you might just find yourself after a while, not knowing how to climb out of this space that you've gotten yourself into. Stephanie, you've touched on a, a wide range of things from <laughs> anxiety. Seriously, this is great stuff like anxiety, stress, um, you know, and then the physical the physical toll that it takes on you, you know, depression, the physical, the physical toll that it takes on you. I don't think people fully grasp, like mm -hmm. it's connected there. Everything is connected, you know, and like you were saying, it could show up in, you know, you going up and down in your weight or hair loss, you know, but I honestly, I believe that a lot of the diseases that we deal with too are in some cases connected to, you know, our mental, emotional, and even spiritual welfare. And so, mm -hmm. you know, really taking the time to look at all of that and figure out like, okay, you know, are there strange relationships in my life where I need to, you know, make amends, where I need to make restoration, you know, are there, um, are there people that I need to forgive? You know what I mean? Forgiveness is a huge thing. I feel like we can do a whole episode just on forgiveness alone. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when you don't, when you withhold forgiveness, it doesn't impact the person that you're not forgiving. It impacts you, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And so mm -hmm. just realizing how all of these things are connected. Um, so, but yeah, thank you for sharing that because it's a lot, a lot of consequences to it that we don't even realize, you know, and even just in the day to day, you know, 
we don't have to go from day to day feeling scatterbrained. Scatterbrained. We don't have to go from day to day feeling like, okay, what day is it? What time is it? What am I focusing on? Like, we can have margin in our lives. It's okay to not run around like a chicken with your head cut off all the time. You know, like, trust me, you will still be just as valued and just as loved if you're actually calm and at peace and actually have space in your day so that you're not going from one thing to the next thing. You know, I think we wear stress and busyness like a badge, you know, a badge of honor, like, look at me. And it's like, okay, you over there going crazy you know, when you don't have to, and I get it, we will have busy moments in our lives, but that should be the exception, not the rule, not the norm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very important. All right. So Stephanie, let's talk a little bit about your personal story. Can you share with us about like um, your upbringing, your childhood, um, you know, just a little bit about yourself. And I know disclaimer, teaser, we we might get a little bit of dirt on our, on our co-host Toya here, but just share a little bit. (laughs) about your childhood and your upbringing, please. Yeah, I won't share any dirt. I'm still scared of her, even though she lives a few streets away. She will come, she will come for you. We got you, we got you. Good looking out. Yeah, so, I mean, I think I had, you know, it's, it's hard to say, but from my perspective, I think I had a fairly normal childhood. You know, I grew up um, in a two-family or two-parent household, um, so two incomes as well, both working parents. Mm -hmm. Um, there were times where, um, you know, education was like the biggest emphasis Mm -hmm. and then it would also be, um, another emphasis on like health and working out and playing sports and what have you. But I think there was also a lot of, um, respect around different interests. So some of, uh, I have, as Toya has probably mentioned before, we've got a pretty big family. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of our siblings were more interested in things like speech and debate, and some of them were more interested in music and, you know, I think our parents definitely encouraged us to have that individuality. Um, I don't necessarily remember feeling like I had waves of ups and downs. So Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, it was just a normal, um, or what I would say was a pretty normal childhood. Mm -hmm. But the caveat I'll say here is that, you know, a lot of psychologists talk about how a lot of trauma happens in childhood, Mm -hmm. no matter how, how sheltered your parents will try to make your life or, you know, how, um, good your your childhood may be you will still have things that impact you later on in life mm-hmm. um, and so as an adult I like think back on habits that I built as a child um, some of which might just be like being in my room like that was my safe space like whenever mm-hmm. I wanted to get away from people if I was in a bad mood or you know if I like if some one of my siblings is being mean or bullying or whatever like my room was my safe space like that's where I felt comfortable I knew mm-hmm. that it was like you know, my particular space. And that's still something that rings true today. Um, So, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Like, even though I live by myself, my room is still my safe space. Like, (laughs) so, you know, things like that um, kind of influence different parts of your childhood influence the ways in which you think about um, how you cope mentally and emotionally. And I think that one's a big one for me. Um, But yeah, I, I had a pretty normal upbringing. Um, and I would say, I don't know. <laughs> That's great though. That's great. So talk about um, the transition from your teenage years to adulthood, you know, going off to college, you actually moved away from your family and went to Duke, you know, what was that transition like? And then of course, after college coming into the real world per se, how, how was that mm-hmm. for you? 
Yeah, I think the transition to college was okay. I think I struggled with loneliness a lot when I went to college because I grew up in such a big family mm-hmm. and I didn't have a roommate or anything that first year in school. Um, as someone who's like naturally introverted and like really hates like surface level conversations <laughs> and just small talk, that transition was like really rough. Like, I don't really, I don't want to know your favorite color. I want to know like, what's like, what are things that make you tick, right? Like, mm-hmm. I want to know like, you know, how do you like to spend your Friday nights? So I think that transition was a little rough, but once I kind of found my group and, you know, kind of found the classes that I was interested in and the mm-hmm. things that I wanted to study, it, it became more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, one thing about being at Duke is it's hard to manage being in college at a really elite school mm-hmm. where grades matter. So, mm-hmm. um, and this isn't just Duke, this is a lot of colleges that oh, are like yeah. in this elite you know, kind of competitive atmosphere. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are so many, there are like a lot of times in a lot of classes, there are only so many people who are gonna be at the top. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think you, I, I developed these habits of, you know, they, they kind of phrase it as work hard, play hard. But ultimately what that turns into is creating these habits where you push yourself and you push yourself and then you don't get a break until it's winter. So you've been, you know, pulling all nighters, you've been, you know, eating pizza nonstop or skipping food or, you know, what have you. And then on top of that, I was also working a lot. College oh, was wow. expensive for me. I consistently worked two or three jobs. Girl. Um, so I think um, that's another thing to point out. Like my college experience is a little bit different because yeah. on top of, you know, it, kids could spend four hours in the library studying. I had to not only spend those four hours studying, but I had to do it after work, right? So Mm -hmm. then you start losing sleep, you start, you know, but that becomes your norm, right? Like kind Mm -hmm. of how we talked about um, this notion of busyness and constantly being like busy with something. Yeah. But then also trying to manage the social aspect of it, right? Because college is supposed to be fun, you know, all of these things. But ultimately what that ends up doing is building these really bad habits where you don't actually take time to check on yourself emotionally or mentally, you just kind of like glaze over it and you're like, well, mm-hmm. everybody's stressed. Well, mm-hmm. everybody's, you know, it, it's finals, of course you're stressed. Yeah. So I, I think the transition was okay, but it was more so not necessarily having the best skills or even the best environment mm-hmm. um, that really prioritized the mental and emotional wellness. So um, that was what I would say made college a little bit difficult. Gotcha, gotcha. And you actually kind of lead into my next question, like, when did you start to experience challenges in your mental and emotional health? So would you say it was around college or after or what? Yeah, I think, I mean, I didn't, it wasn't until like, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I thought college was completely normal. And then mm-hmm. as I started to like really unpack what my college experience was, mm. what things I had normalized, it wasn't until then that I think back and I'm like, wow, there are so many things that were really bad and unhealthy habits that I picked up that I didn't want to carry over um, Mm -hmm. into adulthood. Mm -hmm. So there's this phenomenon that has become super popularized where we talk about burnout. And I think that's what happened. I was running this race um, starting in high school of like, how can I get the best test scores? You know, Mm -hmm. I did the international baccalaureate program, uh, which for anyone, it's very similar to the AP program, but it's mm-hmm. a little bit more college focused. So you essentially write like a mini dissertation. Wow. After I had graduated high school, I still had to go and take my exams for the IB program. So it's just like you're constantly on. 
um, because you're trying to get into an elite school. And then once you're there, you're trying to still be the best and you're surrounded by the best of the best. So you're still running um, a sprint essentially from probably my junior year of high school all the way through college. And then after that, when I trans transitioned to working life, it still felt like I was running a sprint, right? Like I wanted to be the best in my work, but I just was at a point where I was not enjoying life. Like I was trying to fill my life with things like travel or, you know, going to happy hours and trying to be super social. And I had kind of pivoted away to the things I knew in my childhood, which is that I was naturally introverted. The things that I like to do, like mm -hmm. reading had become more stressful, right? Like it wasn't like I was reading for fun. It was like, I was reading because I really wanted to like, you know, do well in an exam yeah. or what have you. Um, so those things that I had tended to draw near to as a child, I just kind of pushed off my plate or they had become more of a burden than anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think um, probably about two years um, in, after college is when I finally took some time to slow down. Okay. Um, and I was like, you know, work is stressing me out, but I'm also just feeling this long, probably, you know, almost 10 years of burnout, the effects of mm -hmm. the burnout. Um, so it, it took me a while to get to a point where I was like, okay, something's out of whack here because I had normalized so many bad habits that everything felt fine for a really long time. Wow. That I'm resonating with so much of what you're saying, because you do, you hit, especially when you are already a high performing person, um, if it's student wise or, you know, um, just in other areas of, of um, you know, of uh, like extracurricular activities or what have you, when you are already a high performing individual, it's like the bar just continues to be elevated higher and mm -hmm. higher and higher. And you continue to strive to, you know, to reach that bar, to surpass that bar, um, which, you know, in, in essence, you know, is not conceptually, I should say, is not a bad thing because you want to be ever evolving and ever growing. But when you look at what it can be at the expense of at times, you know, mm -hmm. we don't always look at that and we don't always know how to have that healthy drive while still having boundaries in our lives, you know, as it relates to, you know, just the basics, like, diet, exercise, and sleep, you know what I mean? Like, those are basic things that we will surpass on, you know, an, for a prolonged um, period to get results that we need without realizing, I actually need these in order to like live, like in order to sustain myself. So that, yeah, you're, you're bringing up some very important, important, um, you know, points here. And I, I totally, identify with your journey. Um, can you tell me what was the wall that you hit that made you like stop and be like, okay, I have to take a minute, like something isn't right here? Yeah, I think um, when people talk about their journeys, people always assume that it was like one thing that was like, this was my trigger or like, mm -hmm. this was my breaking point. But I think mm -hmm. for me, it was like several small things. Okay. Um, similar to how a lot of people feel about 2020, like when we think about the small things, like wearing a mask is not that bad, but like as you layer on the other things over amount, a long extended amount of time is what makes yeah. it difficult. And I think yeah. that's what it was for me. So, True. you know, I, I, I just wasn't, you know, I had built these really bad sleep habits. So I didn't have like a healthy sleep schedule. Mm. Um, I had been super active in college and high school 
you know, I was not like the star athlete by any means, but I still did a really good job of taking care of my health and like making, you know, you walk a lot um, when you're on Duke's campus because it's really big. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also took different classes. So I took like cycling classes and Mm -hmm. yoga and, you know, I I danced my whole life. So I did dance classes when I was there. So those types of things I wasn't intentional about as I transitioned out of college, those things were just offered to me. And I didn't think Mm -hmm. of them as taking care of my like physical health. Um, And so as I stopped doing those things, as I stopped, you know, having a regular sleep schedule and Mm -hmm. taking care of my like, you know, physical fitness and those types of things, those were underneath the surface of things that also happen in life. Your relationships change, your friendships change, you may be in a job that you didn't like, which was the case for me. Like it was a cool job, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I wasn't feeling like I was moving to the next step. And so mm-hmm. I just kind of felt stagnant in those areas. But the thing that made me, or the thing that was really weird was that I didn't, I couldn't pinpoint something that was making me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I would think and be like, why, why, why don't I feel quote unquote happy? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a job, I have an apartment, I live in a cool city, I have great friends, but it was all of these underlying surface issues. Mm. And so those kind of were always there in the background. Um, But then as I moved on, as I moved throughout um, and continued to grow in my career, you know, I was getting elevated in my career, I had changed jobs, but I still hadn't achieved this level of like peace that I was hoping for or feeling. Um, And so, you know, as those things are underneath the surface, then other life events start happening. So, you know, then I'm having to put down my dog, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. at this job that I love and I, you know, I'm getting let go from my job as 2020 hits. And so all of these things are kind of happening simultaneously, but it was, I wouldn't say it was like one specific event. I just got to a point where I felt like I was swimming in stress. Like Mm -hmm. I never felt relaxed. It didn't matter if I'd like you know, gone through my entire to-do list. If I had worked out, I still felt stressed and I just felt like I couldn't get out of a state of stress. Mm. Um, so I think as I reflect on it, it was all of those elements. But at the time I had no idea what it was like because I was, I had been used to managing all of these things, but I hadn't yeah. taken a step back to say like, okay, there's some things that I need to take off of my plate um, because I had been so used to it. So it was more of like a long-term thing than one specific yeah yeah but you bring up a very important indicator where it's like okay I've achieved all these things I have all these incredible accolades and successes in my life and I am still not happy I think that's an incredible um point of indication to make and for um, people to use as a red flag where it's like okay you know I I did what I said I wanted to do. I achieved what I said I wanted to achieve. I have what I've always wanted, but I'm still not happy. Why is that? That that should be something we really all pay attention to, you know, um, and really take time to figure out why is that, you know, because it could be different for all of us, you know, um, once we start doing the digging, but it's important to do the digging. So Mm -hmm. um, for you, what steps did it take? What steps did you take to, um, to do that digging, if you will, and to, to figure out, okay, this needs to change, or this has to go, or, you know, um, this needs to be improved. What, what steps did you take to address your mental and emotional wellness? Yeah, I think, um, it's so funny 
Like I am the biggest person who like loves deals, coupons, all of the above. If your insurance offers it, I'm going to be there, like what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just, it was crazy to me that I'd never realized that I had therapy as part of my benefits because I never thought that I needed therapy. Like I I thought that I was managing everything fine. I thought like, oh, you know, this is just like normal. Um, so once I realized I had it as a benefit, I try, I like went, I made an appointment and I was like, why not? Like, what could it hurt? Um, and then once I was actually in the office, I'd actually identified a provider that I liked working with. That's when I realized, okay, I actually really need to be here. Um, and so it was two things. It felt really good to take that first step, but then it felt even better to realize how good it felt introspectively to be able to talk about some of the things that were going on in my life not to a friend, not to a family member, but to a third person who didn't have a perspective of me, who had no interest or care in judging me, but who was actually there to help me. Um, and so it, it just felt like a conversation, which was something that really ended up helping me in the long run. Very good. Now, okay, you just stepped on a landmine when it comes to, you know, I would say Black people in particular, therapy. Mm-hmm. We do therapy? I mean, I'm saying we got Jesus, you know, we're women of God. Do we do therapy, Stephanie? Like, tell us what, why that's important. And, and did you have any qualms about seeing a therapist? Like, did you have any mental uh, stigmas in your mind pre, you know, pre-existing regarding um, seeing a therapist? Or was it just like, I'm, I need to see somebody, I'm gonna go see somebody? Um, I will say that I think what has been really awesome about um, my generation is that I feel like therapy has become fairly normalized. um, And I try to do what I can to normalize it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in terms of like, if it was a tough or easy decision, I think because of the state I was in, because I was so stressed, it felt like more stress. Like, oh my gosh, I have to like go through these providers. I like need to read the reviews. I want to see like what their therapy practice is. And I just didn't feel like doing anything additional because I was already so stressed out. Um, So I I wasn't necessarily like worried about the barrier of like, what does it mean to go to therapy? I was more so worried about like, now I've got to add something else like to my plate. Um, And so I think it was a different challenge for me in that sense. But um, I didn't really have like, I, I guess, as a person, I'm not always super worried about telling people things in my life. So Mm -hmm. I also was of the perspective, like people don't need to know I'm in therapy if I don't want to share that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was kind of how I felt like that is your own journey and you don't owe anyone an explanation. You don't have to explain to people what you're doing, like just do what's good for you. And then if you want to share that, then that's cool too. But if not, that's your, that's your journey. (laughs) Let me ask you as a Christian, did you feel like, why do I need therapy? If I have Jesus, like, did you feel like you were almost failing as a Christian because you, you know, needed to see a therapist instead of just pray it away, so to speak? I actually felt the opposite because I felt yeah. like when I was in a state of stress and when my, I, what I was carrying felt so heavy, my relationship with God was also deteriorating. Mm-hmm. Not only did I not feel like doing anything, I didn't even feel like talking to God. Like exactly. I felt like, well, you, you already know how I feel today. It's how I felt. Um, and so, you know, I felt almost like it was to a point where if I didn't fix it, then my relationship not only with other people, but my relationship with God was going to be stagnant. And I felt like I owed it to myself to try anything that I could to be in a place where 
um, you know, I could maximize the life that God had given me, whether it just be, you know, I tried, I, I did what I could. And I think for me, a large part of Christianity is simply that you did what you yeah. could, you knew what, what you knew, what options you had, and you did the best you could to, given all the information to honor God in a way that made sense for you and your relationship wow. with him. And I felt like I had the options there. And if I didn't go, then I wasn't being, not, it wasn't about like, this time frame, right? Like I wasn't like pushing myself to go. It was that mm -hmm. when I was in a place where I felt ready to seek therapy, to seek understanding, to do some healing, that prayer is a weapon, but like I needed some tools to get to a place where I could feel comfortable being in prayer, where I could feel comfortable mm -hmm. doing more than having these surface level conversations with God. Um, and it took actually me being in therapy to realize that like God can handle whatever emotions you have God isn't like an emotionless person or being rather um so I needed therapy to help my relationship with Christ that's amazing I think you need to say that last sentence one more time please I don't even know what I said <laughs> I needed I'll say it for you I needed yeah I needed therapy to help me with my relationship with Christ Lord mm -hmm. Jesus that's really good that's really good. Oh my gosh. Wow. I don't think we often look at it that way. Like therapy is a tool or can be a tool to help us um, in our relationship with Christ. Like that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Are there um, any other steps that you took to address your um, mental and emotional wellness? I mean, I think once I got in therapy, um, we, I really started building what we talked about at the beginning, which was like an overall wellness plan. Mm -hmm. Like once I could start thinking about the things that I needed to do to get back to in a place of mental and emotional balance, mm -hmm. then I also realized there are other things that I needed to incorporate as well. And what I really liked about being in therapy is thinking about it as a journey, as opposed mm -hmm. to saying, you know, everything has a time period. And I think that was tough because, you know, high school is four years, college is four years, you know, every, you have a calendar year, even when you're at work. Yeah. So realizing, you know, things are not linear, like when you're ready and you feel like being more active or you feel like eating healthier, like it will come. Um, so just trying not to force those things was something that was really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that when I incorporated other tools of self-reflection, so um, for me, that looked like journaling, that looked like meditating, that looked like taking and setting boundaries with when I, when I was or when I wasn't going to engage with certain people. Um, you know, it looks like setting boundaries with work and saying, these are my hours. If you were going to require that I work on weekends or what have you, like I will be logging overtime or I won't do it. Like, you know, just setting those boundaries became easier because I knew what the payoff would look like. Um, so for me, it was a lot of those tools, um, and a lot of self-reflection in that as well, um, because every day is not going to look like progress. Um, so having some self-compassion as well is really important. Mm. And I think it's something that a lot of us don't have, um, because when we, you know, when we don't make progress towards a goal, it might look like failure, but in fact, it's just part of the process. Like people are not perfect. That's why we're all human. Um, and so for me and just finding ways to, hope when things didn't go well was something that was a really big deal. Um, so, you know, for me that turned into candles, um, you know, when I needed a break, I knew that I could light a candle and sit and relax. And, and so that's kind of how um, my business was birthed. Love so um, just finding your own coping tools and whatever that looks like and having that plan in place, like, okay, 
when I'm having a bad day, this, this is the routine that I'm going to go through. I'm going to light a candle. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to journal. I'm going to watch Netflix show, whatever it is, but just being super intentional about that was part of the process that helped, um, you know, complement therapy as well. Ooh, this is so good, Stephanie. Like, I feel like I'm trying to <laughs> unpack everything you just said. Like, uh, okay, first of all, that uh, realizing that not everything in life is linear. Like there is not an order to everything, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I know it's hard for us as, as humans, you know, to, um, you know, fathom that at times, but reminding ourselves that God stands outside of time. You know, mm -hmm. time is just a tool that he uses, honestly, to keep us in mind, <laughs> mm -hmm. honestly. And he can do whatever he wants, you know, in and outside of the confines of time. But as we look at our own journeys, as we look at our own um, processes and steps that we're taking, not realizing that, you know, everything is going to happen in a certain order, um, you know, um, and, and I will say too, realizing that, you know, it's really about the journey and less about the destination, mm -hmm. you know, like the more that we allow ourselves to embrace the journey, the more that we're able to, um, you know, embrace mental and emotional wellness. So mm -hmm. I think a lot mm -hmm. of mental and emotional wellness has to do with being willing to um, acknowledge, embrace, and sit in the moments that we have in life, whether they are good, bad, or just downright ugly, like really um, being able to sit in those moments and be like, okay, well, God, what do you want to show me in this moment? What are you trying to teach me? How do you want me to change? What, what, what do you want me to get from this moment instead of just trying to push past it or push through it to the next mm -hmm. thing? So linear, the light that, that not everything in life is linear. That's a great point. You talked about adjustments that you made, you know, in your own personal schedule, as far as what you put in your body, you know, how you treat your body, you know, taking time to care for your body, you know, again, that um, food, um, diet, exercise, and, and sleep, those are important things, you know, um, protecting your time with God, um, your relationships, ex mm -hmm. assessing those relationships and seeing, okay, do any of these need to change or any of these, you know, toxic for me? Um, or, or any, are any of these relationships um, malnourished, meaning am I not giving enough time and attention to them or, or what have you? So assessing that is important. You talked about your job, which I think is a <laughs> challenge for a lot of people because we feel like if we put any type of boundaries in place in our jobs or on our careers, then uh, we will will experience retaliation. You know, we won't be promoted, or we may lose our job, or what have you. And so, really, um, that whole that whole game of mental gymnastics that we play with ourselves, where it's like, if I don't always say yes, then I won't be able to to move forward. Um, can you talk a little bit about? Um, and, and I, you said a little bit about it, like realizing when you realize the payoff, it, it helps you to, to put those boundaries in place. But can you talk a little bit about um, the process that you had to, to go through in order to really um, put those boundaries in place um, from a work and a career stance? Because I think for a lot of people, that's a real challenge and a real fear, yeah, honestly. I think so too. And I think especially like underrepresented folks in the workplace, particularly 
um, women of color, black women specifically, yeah. you always feel like you need to be doing more. Or Absolutely. if you ever say no, you're going to be kind of put at the back of the list. Yeah. Right. And so I, I had those internal feelings and notions as well. Um, but what I realized is that like, if I truly have faith, when I set boundaries that are ultimately honoring God. So if I set a boundary so that I can feel rested, Mm-hmm. then feeling rested allows me to have a really positive relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not God's, it, it's, it's not God's will for our lives to constantly feel exhausted. Amen. So when we think about it at a larger picture, if work is causing me, you know, to a point where it's not, you know, you're, no one is ever going to feel hundred percent at work. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean instead is that if it's becoming to a point where it's overwhelming, than that, you know, you setting those boundaries and saying no, if it puts you at the back of the line, then God will put you where you need to be. Like, it's, it's not about us ultimately trying to control every little factor in our life. Um, and it may not look like what we want. You may lose your job. You may be out of work for a little bit. But I think ultimately, when you prioritize what needs to be prioritized mm-hmm. with regards to your mental and emotional wellness, with regards to your relationship with Christ, then God will position you where he wants you to be. Um, and sometimes that's harder for us than to, you know, put, in, put ourselves in the position that we want to be. Um, so I think when you come to that place, you have to make a decision. Like it may not be the right choice for you right now. That might not be mm-hmm. your season. But when you, whenever I was able to set those boundaries, at least, um, it actually ended up working out for me, even though it may have looked like it wasn't at the time, those small boundaries ended up having a huge payoff. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I think it's over time going to be even more um, of a, a choice that I'm proud of, but I think doing it early on in my career has definitely helped. And that's not to say I'll like never work on weekends or what have you, but there's just always boundaries there. Very good. Very, very good. And you, you said two key things. I mean, of course, first and foremost, you know, as women of faith, we trust God and we believe that you know, he determines our income, you know, regardless of what job we have, regardless of whether or not we have a job, you know, and he determines our increase. And so we, at the end of the day, have to trust him in that regard. But then also too, um, you talked about when you do put boundaries in place and put yourself and make yourself a priority, it allows your productivity to go up. I know for me, it does. When I, when I get enough rest, I'm percolating. You know, my thoughts and ideas are coming to me and I'm able to do what, um, what I would normally do in a shorter amount of time. Honestly, I'm much more efficient, you know, and even when I do um, hit, hit walls in my, you know, in my job or in my work where I can't think of something or I can't figure out how to solve something or I can't, um, you know, figure out how to approach something, oftentimes it, it takes me stepping away, maybe going out for a quick walk, you know, maybe even just, you know, grabbing a snack, drinking some water, getting up and stretching, you know, mm-hmm. where by the time I do that, I, I'm able to come back and have a fresher perspective. So all of those things, I don't think we realize when we put them in place, they actually help us to become more effective at what we do and more productive mm-hmm. at what we do. So it really becomes a win-win, you know. I know at um, at one point I used to tell people, you know, I take a Sabbath from me, but I also take it from you. <laughs> I do. And, and, you know, at that time I was saying it because, you know, I don't, I have an attitude and I'm, I'm very irritable and difficult to work with when I'm not putting margin in my life, you know, so I was saying it in that regard, like, you don't want to deal with me when I have an attitude or when I'm, you know, feeling a certain type of way, but also too, 
um, you know, from a level of productivity, you know, I take it for you. I, I step away and take care of myself and do what I need to for you as well, because the outcome is a, is a greater quality, you know, when I do do that. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I think even Christ modeled this, like when Jesus was here, he yeah. took time away. Like there are so many times where uh, we see God taking time away. So he went to the mountains by himself, like even he needed time away. And so I think if we model a life after the life that Jesus lived while he's on earth, then mm -hmm. that is one of the most important things, like taking time away. Um, you can't always be on. It's not good. You'll be burned out. Um, so even just taking time away, I think is part of something that you should put in your plan um, for mental and emotional wellness. Yeah. And it's trusting God at the end of the day, because you know, we don't run this world. I know we like to mm -hmm. think we do, but guess what? It will still be intact. If you, you know, if you step away at five o'clock or take the weekend off, you know, or have a Sabbath or go on vacation, guess what? You know, life will still keep going and, and we will mm -hmm. be just fine, you know, and you will be better for it. So very, yeah. very good. So today, where, how does mental and uh, emotional wellness look for you? Like where, where are you on your journey? Yeah, I think in my journey right now where I am um, is in a place where I know what healthy looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think previously I didn't know what it felt like to not be stressed or to not feel burnout. And so now that I'm in a place where I know what that feel like, what that feels like, um, when I do get overly stressed or when I do feel burned out, I can first identify that it shouldn't feel like this. And then mm -hmm. I have the plan in place to know how to get back to that. Um, so, you know, I think, um, uh, what we talked about a lot about is being consistent, which is like, I think there's this big conception of consistent. That means like every single day, you can't miss a day. There won't be times where, you know, you have to alter your schedule or what have you. Um, but I don't think of consistency in that way. I think of it as in consistency, meaning when I mess up, I know how to get myself back on, um, and I can stay on. So, um, I think when I think about what that looks like, I don't, I don't know that every person's therapy plan is to be in therapy forever. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think one of the things that really helped me when I started therapy, um, is my ther therapist said that the end goal of therapy is that you will leave having the tools you need to have to manage what life throws. So I still to this day use a lot of the tools that I learned in therapy. Um, and it's really great because then you can evangelize those tools. Um, I have a friend who uh, we talk about there. I talk about therapy regularly with my friends. A lot of us go. Um, one of her assignments was to watch the Disney movie Inside Out. Oh, wow. I love it. So good. It's so it's good. And so, I mean, just things like that. So whenever you are having, um, you know, a down day or you're not feeling your best, you know that you can put inside out on like little things like that, that you probably would never think of um, and learning how to take care of yourself so that when the opportunity arises um, for you to present your best self, you'll know how to do it in a healthy way. Um, and that has very much so been my journey. I think, you know, life happens, like I'm not, um, perfect. And so when things are really stressful, I know really quick five minute things I can do to de-stress or, um, you know, when things are overwhelming at work, I know how to manage them. Whereas before I would work through them, but not really be able to manage them underlying emotions. Like I would close my computer and still feel the stress of a two o'clock meeting, but now I know how to not do that. Um, and that's kind of where I am in my journey. Very good. Very good. Well, you kind of actually, you helped us transition. I know as, as we 
um, wrap up, we're going to be talking about just ways you can address and monitor your um, mental and emotional wellness. So um, can you share some signs that um, either you personally may experience or that, or that you can help other people to pinpoint that they may be experiencing, you know, stress, um, anxiety, or even depression? Yeah, I think, um, again, like you mentioned, it kind of varies for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, some of the telltale signs for me were um, never feeling relaxed, like mm -hmm. constantly feeling on, mm -hmm. um, not wanting to get out of bed, um, mm -hmm. not because you don't want to get out of bed, but because you simply have no energy to. Mm -hmm. um, so feeling like your energy is kind of out of whack. Um, and that could mean high or low, um, weight change. That's a really big one. Um, weight fluctuates all the time, but not really knowing why or like the root of it. Um, it could be that things are a little bit out of balance, um, because, you know, your eating habits have changed or your physical, um, fitness habits have changed. Um, and I think for me, maybe just feeling, um, not like just feeling not yourself, yeah. um, and so that could be, you know, it could be a number of things. Um, but for me, those were some of the telltale signs. Um, and when I start feeling like that, then that's when I know, okay, I need to revert back to my wellness plan. Gotcha. Um, so for me, those are some of the things. Very good. And I would also say, um, you know, feeling overwhelmed for me is a sign, um, feeling like, okay, this is a lot going on. I usually have to remind myself in those moments to focus on one thing at a time. You know, mm -hmm. I used to pride myself on being uh, a, a multitasker um, until I realized I was not good at multitasking. <laughs> or should I say, <laughs> somebody told me I wasn't good at multitasking. But, <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the at the end of the day, I can just because I'm getting multiple things done at the same time doesn't mean they're at the level of of quality that they need to be or that they should be. So mm -hmm. um, realizing I do better when I focus on one thing at a time. Um, you know, um, and and then too, I. I, I, for me, a sign is when you feel like um, like life is just kind of in a haze or a blur and you're not mm -hmm. able to be present. Um, I think that's an incredible thing to pay attention to as well. So very, very good tips. Um, we talked a little bit about this, but are there any other things that you think pre prevent um, women, I'll say Black women in particular, from addressing mental and emotional wellness or health? Yeah, I think um, beyond just the stigma of therapy, one of the other really big barriers is cost. Um, therapy can be very expensive. Um, and so I would just encourage you, um, if you are, if that is a barrier for you to look at um, other options, there's a lot of um, ways that you can start your journey. It doesn't necessarily have to start with therapy. Um, I think there's a lot of free resources online self-guided journaling. There's a lot of podcasts mm -hmm. with certified therapists that will mm -hmm. walk through different topics. Mm -hmm. And while it may not be necessarily personalized, I still find myself walking away with, um, you know, nuggets that I can apply throughout the mm -hmm. week. So I think starting, um, starting your journey somewhere um, will help you. And then as you become, you know, more hip to some of the other options that are available in your area. So mm -hmm. Um, whether that be, there's um, a lot of uh, resources, one of which is like this um, network called Black, what is it? Therapy for Black Girls. They have um, a resource list of providers that are doing specifically related to um, COVID, but free therapy sessions or reduced cost therapy sessions. So if that is where you are in your journey and you're looking for it and cost is 
you know, a barrier, I encourage you to just look up resources that might be able to accommodate your lifestyle. Um, and then also, you know, check your insurance, see what it does offer if you have insurance. Um, but I think those are the two ones that I hear the most, um, or, and perhaps just feeling like therapy won't work, um, but you won't know until you try. So therapy, you know, may not be for everyone. And I don't think there's like a one size fit all bill for mental and emotional wellness, but um, try something I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, that's very good. And, and you mentioned, like you were saying, you didn't real, realize that your insurance at the time covered your therapy. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes we, you know, just haven't done the research to say, hey, does my insurance cover this or a certain number of sessions? And then now, given the climate that we're in with COVID, a lot of companies have, um, are providing um, free mm-hmm. therapy sessions um, or other resources for their um, employees because they realize like this is a very trying time. So really try to take advantage of that if you're fortunate enough to still be working to have benefits right now. Look at that, you know, definitely check out um, therapy for black girls, like what you were sharing. Like you said, there are a lot of great podcasts out there that um, can provide tips and tools as well. You know, guided journaling is an excellent thing. Journaling has been an integral part of my life, gosh, since I was, I want to say, you know, middle school on up to now, present day. And I haven't always done it consistently, but I have done it. And so just making sure that that is something that you look at, that is something that you do because it's really, really important. And so um, let me see, I wanna make sure. Oh, the other area that I was gonna talk about for what prevents black women in particular from addressing their mental and emotional health. Um, I always have to talk about the um, the uh, stigma of being a strong black woman. I think oftentimes we don't feel like we have the luxury to really mm-hmm. have the time that we need to address our mental and emotional health because we're holding everything else together. You know, we're holding our families together. We're holding our homes together. You know, we're trying to succeed in whatever we put our hands to. And we don't necessarily feel like we can take the time we need to focus on ourselves, to care for ourselves, and to really deal with whatever we need to inwardly. So I think that's another reason that um, a a lot of Black women in particular don't don't take time to address their mental and emotional health. But again, I have learned that uh, when you do invest in yourself in that regard, it, um, it helps the people around you that much more because you're able to give from a place of abundance and surplus and not from a place of deficit, which mm-hmm. is imperative. So yeah. Anything else you want to share on that? No, I think that's good. Awesome. And you talked about steps you can take to address your mental health. So we, we already talked about that. Um, and then you also talked about too, how you regularly monitor your um, mental and emotional health. But can you share, I know you referenced a couple of tools or quick exercises that you can do when you do kind of feel a little off kilter. Can you give a couple examples or, or share a couple of those tools or exercises? Yeah, Um So there's two that I rely on regularly. One is this really easy breathing technique. Um, And all it is, is you breathe out for longer than you breathe in. So essentially it's um, a technique where, for example, you breathe in for four seconds and then you breathe out for five or six and it just slows down your breathing and it actually helps you feel phenomenal. Um, So that's one that I use. Another one is humming. So there's um, a lot of research, there's a whole body of research around this that talks about how humming is super calming. So mm. um, when you're feeling stressed, um, you might just get some steps in and hum to yourself. 
Um, I, this is like not, there's no psychological research behind this, but I like to have dance parties. So when I'm feeling really down, I literally get up and move your body. There's something about, um, physically moving your body until you feel something different than what you're currently feeling that can really change your emotional state. And so, um, that might like look different for you. If you don't have the energy to go on a walk or if it's too hot or you just don't feel like it, you don't have the time, just get up and like have a dance break for a few minutes, walk around for five minutes, whatever that looks like physically moving my body, um, helps a lot. So those are tools that I use. Very, very good stuff. You all, this has been awesome. This has been really awesome. (laughs) Anything you want to share in closing before we transition? No, I mean, I just, I would say, first of all, these conversations are really important. Um, Do your best if you can to normalize conversations amongst your friends, amongst your family around therapy um, so that, you know, they are aware that it's not something that's stigmatized, but actually encouraged. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would just encourage you to ask yourself, what is one thing I can do this week um, to better support myself or better take care of myself? Um, and continue to ask yourself that um, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and be honest um, and have compassion towards yourself as well. Very good. Have compassion for yourself. I like to say, give yourself grace. Like really, mm-hmm. you're not perfect. You know, none of us are. You do the best you can and you celebrate when you can celebrate, you know, um, the big and the small and just, you know, be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. Very good. Be a good friend to yourself. Yes. We're better friends sometimes to the people around us than we are to ourselves. That's crazy, but, mm-hmm. but true in a lot of cases. So, all right. So let's move on to our noble character acknowledgement. Uh, this is basically, uh, for those of you that don't know, where we acknowledge other women that are, um, you know, blazing a trail, being an example, you know, to those that are around them in their communities, on their jobs, in their families. And usually we try to connect it to whatever topic we're talking about today. So uh, when we have special guests, we like to ask them to present their noble character for the, for the week. And so we'll ask you, Stephanie, who is your noble character for today? Yes. Um, so I, my noble character is Dr. Nina Phillips. Um, she's an amazing woman. I'm, I'll actually read a little snippet about her. Please. Um, so Dr. Nita has spent her career blending faith with individual and group therapy for a wide range of issues, including depression, anxiety, grief, addiction, and child and sexual abuse. She holds mm-hmm. a master's in clinical social work from the University of Maryland, She's a PhD in counseling, education, and supervision from the Regent University School and School of Psychology and Counseling, and she completed a postdoctoral fellowship at John Hopkins School mm-hmm. of Public Health. She's co- co-authored several papers, including those in the Public Health Reports and the Journal of Healthcare for the Poor and Underserved. She currently um, leads the Master of Arts in Professional Counseling degree program at the Maryland campus of Lancaster Bible College. And what I really like about um, Dr. Nita is that she really works on the notion of blending therapy, faith, wellness, and Christ. Um, I don't find that a lot, um, both in the faith community as well as in the mental health community. So um, I think she does a really good job of serving women who um, are at this intersection, right, of health, faith, culture, um, family, whatever that is. Um, and she runs an amazing podcast called In the Light. Um, and so I highly suggest everyone check that out. Um, you know, I like to listen to it just, you know, as I'm walking or what have you. Um, so if you're looking for another mental wellness tool, I would suggest checking her out. 
Um, I think she's an amazing woman of God and a noble character and that she demonstrates what it looks like to overcome um, mental wellness challenges, but doing so in a way that honors God um, and, and meets us right in the culture and the timeliness that we're in. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you for that noble character acknowledgement. Dr. Nita Phillips, you are a woman of noble character. Love it, love it, love it. All right, so this week's BE challenge. Um, well, last week we asked everyone to identify another stream of income and research what you need to do to get started. Just as a reminder, you can still hop on that. We got time. And then this week's BE challenge is to identify and implement one tool or resource or tip to develop your mental and emotional wealth, wellness, wealth, wellness, but yeah, to identify your mental and emotional wellness. So to improve it. And so take a step, take a step this week. We got a lot of great tips and tools and suggestions that were shared. So hop on it, take advantage of it. All right. Next week, we're actually going to be talking about infertility and the journal, journal, the journey to motherhood. So let me say that again, infertility and the journey to motherhood. You don't want to miss it. Um, in the meanwhile, you can subscribe to our podcast on the podcast app. You can subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube channel at Becoming Eva Today. You can also follow us on Facebook at Becoming Eva. That's one word. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Becoming Eva Today. That's all. Thank y'all so much. Have a great day. <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Click subscribe on YouTube and subscribe to the podcast. Check us out at becomingevatoday.com or email us at becomingevatoday.com. See, See you next time. time.